And good morning to everyone. Thank you, New Hope Band. God is good, amen? Amen. Well, I'm going to bring to you this morning what I genuinely feel that God would have me to bring. Have we... I'm just going to jump right into this. I know sometimes I do little announcements or updates or something, but I'm going to dispense with those this morning because I kind of just jump right into this. Have we ever seen a time, and I, and I thought a lot about this, have we ever seen a time, a time in history where so many people were afraid? So many people afraid. We live in a, a divided nation. It's divided on several fronts. We have lots of political unrest, political scene to make your hair fall out. Lots of economic turmoil. We're actually arguing to borrow another $3.5 trillion or whatever in the world it is. That's enough to make you think, what in the world? I'm not sure that we've ever been in a time where all of us are more susceptible, susceptible to fear. To, to being overwhelmed and overcome by fear and anxiousness and anxiety. Everyone is afraid in this nation. Everyone's afraid of fearful. There, there is a general fearfulness that has gripped our nation. It, it is in, in people. You can see it in their faces. You can hear it in the tones of their voice. There is a general sense of impending doom in people. It's like it's there, it's, it's everybody's elephant in the room. We, 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 bad is going to happen, and it's just a matter of when. When is the bottom going to fall out? Everyone is afraid. Fear is crippling even people of God. Because it's more alarming to me. There has never been a time when our churches have been more gripped with fear. Pastors gripped with fear. Curbing what they normally say from the pulpit. People are gripped with fear. The, the people of God are gripped with fear. They're fearful. Listen, Christians are afraid of their government. Christians are afraid of economic collapse. Christians are afraid of COVID-19. Christians are afraid to stand in what they believe, stand for what they believe in. Christians are afraid of losing their normal lifestyles. Christians are afraid of the future. Christians are afraid for their children. Everyone's afraid. Everyone's fearful. We're all afraid. People are living afraid. People were scared. And really, is it any wonder? Really, if you think about it, it all makes sense. For, for the last two years of all of our lives, unless you've in the back of the all we, all we heard is pandemic, pandemic, pandemic. That, that we've heard that we've had pushed on us. Pandemic, don't do normal stuff. Everybody's going to die. It masks, vaccines, mandates, shutdowns. That, that's what we've had thrown upon us. And over time, you're kind of like, what in the world's going on here? And it becomes overwhelming, and then fear grips you. We look at the news. I've about had with the news. We look at the news, and they are sure to feed into those fears, are they not? The, the, the coronavirus came around, and once you thought, oh, 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 maybe we're getting past that now. They're like, no, we ain't getting past it. There's a new variant, the Delta variant. Maybe we can get past that. No, you ain't. There's the new variant. It just never stops. Has anyone seen that the trend does not stop? It's not going to stop. 
The news is to feed all those fears by keeping everyone informed on how many folks have died. There's, there's running companies. You can look at some of these stations. There's, oh, lost this many more than that. And, and they do that, they take that number in front of you, they put that num number in your face to induce pain because you might become one of those numbers. That's the point. They like to show you that to let you know that you might become one of those statistics. And what does it do? It produces fear. Then the experts come out and tell us what we should do. The experts tell us, don't have Thanksgiving with your family. Don't have no Christmas. Don't get together with your loved ones. Don't have no, no birthday parties. Don't gather in any form. Abandon your loved ones. Abandon the aged folks. Don't go to church. Matter of fact, we need to take regulations against those things. All these things have been shoved down our throats. Can you tell that I've had it with all of it? I've had it. I'm tired of their mongering. I'm tired of being afraid. I'm afraid. I don't be anxious about this garbage anymore. Then it don't take long, long experts to tell us what we should do. The, the, the celebrities come out and tell us what we should do. The celebrities come out and tell us how we should live. They come out and they virtue signal. Well, I had to pray about this moment for this because I got to stay right in the eyes of God or I get called in the carpet to Him. So here is my Christian response to all the celebrities. If one may come across our YouTube channel someday, here is my Christian response to celebrity advice. Spent a long time trying to write this, but I, here it is, I respectfully decline any and all celebrity advice. That, that's it. I respectfully decline. In other words, no thank you. Now let's hurry up and move on from that part before I say things that God said, and nah, you need to come and talk to me, son. Does anyone see it? Did you get tired of dealing with this? I mean, after a while, I'm tired of being forfed narrative. I'm tired of it. You, know, you have to admit, when, when, when this stuff is shoved down your throat, you know, you got loved ones. You got some aged folks, folks, and you got some children. You got a wife, and it kind of produces a little bit of anxiety. What, what in the world is going on here? And this, this ain't the America that I grew up with. And it produces fear, stress, anxiety, worry, doubt. It produces these bad, negative things in you. These last couple years, there's some times when I've had a difficult time being optimistic. You know, you always try to be optimistic and, and look for the good. But it's been difficult in these last couple years. It's very difficult. You know, you, you always and I ask yourself, what happens if? We all ask ourselves that subconsciously. What happens if this? What happens to my family if that? We all battle that. Now, I, I hope that you can, can notice this, this, that we all, all can in here. But do you notice that it seems that the finger is more, is more being pointed at the evangelical Christians? You see it. You see it. It's, they're starting to go, it's, this is your fault. This is your fault. The, the mess this nation is, it's the Christian fault. As a, a Christian, you can see the walls are closing in, can't you? You, you can see it. 
It's happening on a daily basis. You see the walls closing in. You know, all the, if you don't do this, we're going to take away your right to do that. All that type of mentality that we have seen, have we not seen that the last couple of years? If you don't comply, if you don't obey, then you ain't going to be allowed to do this anymore. That, that kind of makes you, kind of rocks you back in your heels and makes you go, what in the world is going on? It kind of catches you off guard. We've never dealt with stuff like before. It's bothersome. And at the end of the day, it's kind of unsettling, isn't it? You know, it's, you, you hear these vaccine passports that we're in some our cities. you got to have your papers. You, you, you hear talk of the Great Reset. I hope, brothers and sisters, that you can see that the Bible talks about this globalism. That, that's what it is. It's all part of globalism. It's all falling into place. The Bible has told us about all these things. Well, everything that we've seen, all, all the mentality of the, if you don't do this, then we're going to take your right away to do that. All of that is the preconditioning. Do you understand? It's preconditioning to the things we find in Revelation chapter 13. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go home and read Revelation chapter 13. All of it that's going on is a preconditioning. So that the next time something happens, they can step right into place and say, okay, you don't do this, then this is what happens to you. And everyone goes, okay. Okay. And why do they say okay? Because they're afraid. Afraid. Everyone's afraid. Everyone's fearful. Everyone's scared. We were supposed to be a nation where each individual was afforded what the Declaration of Independence calls certain inalienable do you, know, do you know what certain inalienable rights means? It, it, it means rights that are incapable of surrendering. It means because you are a human being, they are intrinsic to you. Just because you're a human being and you're born in the United States, you have rights that are incapable of being surrendered. That's what our forefathers wrote when they wrote and when they designed this nation. But in these last couple years, we have seen that those inalienable rights that are incapable of being surrendered, we, are, we see that they get abandoned real quick when someone shouts, pandemic! You know, none of us really are impervious to this. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not telling you to be random and act like none of this stuff. It affects all of us. It affects every way of our lives. Every day, every way, way, all of us. None of us are impervious to this fear. It, it, it affects me. I mean, I, I've thought about, about it, that, man, I'm a teacher of the stuff that the world will take. I'm a, I'm a propagandist to them. They're going to try to shut me up at some point. They're going to come and start pointing it at me one of these days. You know, and, and, and you think about that in anxiousness that's in you start looking around and saying man I, I don't know this is... and, and then and then a little bit of nervousness comes with anxiousness and then they work in tandem with each other they work as a combo then along comes feelings of apprehension and it grabs you it grabs hold of you and then worry and doubt begin to take root this is how it starts 
It's just little worry comes in, in you. A little, little bit of fears with it. A little bit of anxiousness, anxiety, nervousness. You're unsettled. And before you know it, know it you're afraid. You're afraid. Fear leads to depression. Fear leads to anxiety. Fear leads to stress. When all stuff sets in, you know what happens to the man or the woman of God? You quit living the way God has called you to live. That's what happens. When, when, when the going gets tough, and there's scary things being propagated upon us and pushed upon us, the people are like, like, I don't know about this. And you, you take a step back. You, you stop moving forward. Christians have gone into protection mode. You know what happens when you get afraid? What happens when you, when you get scared? You're easy to manipulate. That is what's going on today. Manipulation from the enemy. And I'm not saying the enemy is a, a government governing body. The enemy is Satan. That's who's at the root of all this. It's a spiritual battle. Satan is trying to hide, manipulate, and fear monger. That's exactly what's going on. I hope that you can see it, brothers and sisters. If you can't, I'm telling you about it today. Does anyone in here doubt me? Because I brought some stuff with me this morning. I brought myself some evidence in case anything can say, eh, I don't agree. I'll send you this stuff if you doubt me after the service. I'll send you the article. Someone sent this to me a few weeks ago, and I've been thinking about it ever since. Listen to this now. This is a study done by four or five PhDs, doctors, smart people. Now, this is also a secular study. This is not done by the Evangelicals for Trump Society or, or something like that. This is done in a secular system by secular doctors, by secular smart people. They found this evidence in, in this study that they did. They studied global, listen, it's worldwide, they studied global symptoms of anxiety and depression in, in children and adolescents during the pandemic. Okay, so this is, this is a study for the last couple of years by secular doctors in children and adolescents. Here is the conclusion of their study, and I'll read to you. It says this, and I quote, Pooled estimate obtained in the first year of COVID-19 pandemic suggests that one in four youth globally are experiencing clinically elevated depression symptoms, while one in five youth are experiencing clinically elevated anxiety symptoms. These pooled estimates, which increase over time, are double of pre-pandemic estimates. Do you, do you know what it means, brothers and sisters? What it means is the news has preached pandemic, the news has preached fear, the news has preached anxiety, and it worked. It just worked on our children, most of all. What it means is our children, our adolescents, those ones supposed to be out playing ball, the ones that supposed to be out riding their bicycles, what it means is in these last old years, they are twice as fearful as they were than just a couple of years ago. They are tw twice as anxious. They're twice as worried. These little kids are supposed to be throwing frisbees back and forth. Or starting from depression and anxiety. I'm telling you, the devil knows what he's doing. 
I brought you another little study. Like I said, I can see this stuff. Listen to this one. It's a study of over half a million COVID-19 patients done by a whole bunch of doctors. A whole bunch of them. This is secular again. It's not from the evangelical society or any of that stuff. This is secular data. An empirical study, okay? I think this was like 560-some thousand COVID-19 patients, meaning those that got into the hospital. There's a lot of people that get it, but they don't go to the hospital. This is those that went to the hospital. Okay, now there's a lot of technical jargon. I'm going to kind of skip some of that. Some of that summary is this. The, the, the number one comorbidity fact, fact, killing people with COVID-19, those in the hospital, is obesity, okay? It, it, it means if you have, a, uh, if you have COVID-19 and you go to the hospital, you have a 30% higher risk of death, okay? Now, that, that's for obesity. If you get COVID-19, you go to the hospital, and you are obese, you have a plus 30% chance of dying. Coming in second place, listen to this. Coming in second place with an increased comorbidity rate of plus 28% is, and I quote from the secular doctors, anxiety and fear-related disorders. Do you understand what that means? What that means is if you get COVID-19 and you hospitalize, it's a bad case of it. It means if you have fear in you or anxiousness or some sort of disorder related to fear, it means you have a plus 28% chance. The second thing that kills people, the highest comorbidity rate is from fear. What it means is fear is actually killing people. It is killing them. They are dying from it. Some of the other things on the list, diabetes. If you have diabetes and you contract COVID-19, you have a much better chance of survival than if you have fear. If you're afraid. If you have dementia or Alzheimer's, you have a much better chance of surviving than if you have anxiousness, nervousness, or you're afraid. Heart disease, anemia, thyroid disorders, you might be okay. You might be okay. But fear, it's going to kill you. It's going to literally kill you. Brothers and sisters, this is not from Christian people. This is from worldly doctors, smart people, trying to work on people, trying to help them. And they're saying, and is the data that we need. Fear and fear related disorders and anxiety, you have a high risk that you're going to die if you get, if you get COVID-19. I find it funny that in the Olivet Discourse, Jesus talks about the end times. It is in the context of end times, in the context of second coming. Actually says that men's hearts will fail them for fear. Funny that the man said that a couple thousand years ago. He said uh, in the last days, people's hearts will fail them, meaning their hearts will stop beating, meaning they're going to die from what? Fear. And, and we see it happening. Like I said, uh, Bible people make these statistics up. Just doctors. And they're saying, this is what we find. Fear and anxiety-related disorders is killing people. It's fear all through the land, even in our churches. Fear. The PPP God. Afraid. What's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to my family? Everyone's afraid, even in our churches. 
Now, I understand we can all be, be taken aback by this stuff. You know, a lot of times when something sudden comes upon you, and you kind of rock on your heels a little bit. You know, that, that kind of natural. But at some point, brothers and sisters, we got to turn the news off. you got to turn off and say, okay, I better check and see what this thing is. You, you have to. It's a, it's a Christian's duty. It's your duty. Because the thing is, this book has an awful lot to say about fear, anxiousness, being nervous, being worried. A whole awful lot. And I mean a lot. Must be an important topic to God if he wrote about it so much. So what does the Bible say about it? Well, let's start in Matthew chapter 8, verse 23. We'll read a few verses. Matthew chapter 8, verse 23 says this. When he was entered into a ship, the disciples followed him. This is Jesus now. God, God, disciples are on a ship. They followed him all the time. And verse 4 says, Behold, there arose a tempest in the sea. In so much, much that the ship was covered with waves, but Jesus was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. Let's stop there for a minute. Do you, do you hear that Jesus' disciples acted just like we're acting right now? Do you see that? They, they, they panicked. We're all going to die. Everybody's going to die. And they start running around like wild people. The, the storms of life, they come upon us, and we can't lie. Some of the storms that come in our lives, they're kind of big and scary, aren't they? They loom over us. They bear down on us. They're scary the, the wind looks like it's going to topple everything that worked hard for. I, I've even said those words to my wife. It's like, I, like, Shannon, feels like everything that we've ever worked for is going to be ruined, ruined and gone and lost. We start running around in a panic. We're all going to perish. We're going to die. There's, there's a pandemic. We're going to die. Jesus is right, right there with us all the time, but we're too, too busy running around panicking. He's right on the ship, sleeping. He's prepared. Kids don't go outside running around panicked. I, I find it kind of telling that Jesus is sleeping. He's asleep. He ain't worried. He ain't worried about anything. Matter of fact, he must have been in a deep sleep. There's a storm going on and he's asleep. Everyone else is scared to death of the waves and the wind, but it's just rocking him back to sleep because he's got perfect peace. I find it telling that he's sleeping. He wasn't worried. He wasn't afraid and panicked and running around, making irrational decisions. He wasn't anxious. He wasn't stressed. He's sleeping soundly. You, you, it doesn't say, and they went down and they found Jesus glued to the news. Doesn't say any of that thing, stuff. Did anyone, these disciples that had spent time with Jesus, they saw him do miracles and great wonders. He was a good master. Didn't anyone think, think, think running around going to die? Didn't anyone think, hey, what? look at Jesus. He's sleeping. He ain't worried. He's not scared. This, this big, big storm's going on. Seems serious. He don't seem to be very, very worried. Didn't anyone want to say, man, look, Jesus, he's, a, he's doing okay. Maybe we should be like him. Brothers and sisters, there's no room for fear in Christianity. There's not. God has no use for it. No use for fear whatsoever. It does not come from him. He cannot use it. 
He cannot use a people that are gripped by it. He cannot, listen to me now, fear inhibits what God wants to do through you. He wants to use each and every one of us. But if you're fearful and afraid, do you remember, here's an example of that. Do you remember in Judges, in the book of Judges, maybe it's been a while since you spent some time in the Old Testament book of Judges, but Gideon, I think his so-called Jerubbabel, if I'm right. Jerubbabel, Gideon got an army to fight against the Midianites. I think there was some Malachites mixed in there too. And Gideon had to get this army together, and it actually said, went and looked, and it looked in the valley, and the, the Midianites and the Amalekites were so numerous, they were like, come back, back, they were like, they're like grasshoppers. There's too many to count. So Gideon gets this army, and 32,000 Israelites show up, and they're going to try to go and fight and overthrow the, the Midianites. God sees the 32,000, and he says, you know what, if I deliver the Midianites into your hand, you're going to say that you did it in your own strength. So he's wanting to whittle down on that number a little bit. Okay? So in Judges chapter 7, verse 2, the Lord says this. It says, And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people that are with thee are too, too many for me to give the Midianites into your hands. Lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, seeing mine own hand has saved me. 3 says, Now therefore go to, proclaim in the ear of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and afraid, him return early from Gilead. And there, there remained of the people 22,000, and there remained 10,000. Do you understand that there's all these people, and God says, the first people I'm going to get rid of are the fearful. If you're fearful and if you're afraid, go home. Go on home. Go home. And what I find surprising is, over two-thirds of the people are afraid. They turn around, they leave. There's 32,000 or 10,000 left. 22,000 people pack up and they're like, I'm out of here. This was too much for me. I don't want to do no fighting. I could get hurt. Something could happen to me. I could get an injury. I'm out. See you later. And then they leave. I just find that we've, I've said this many times from the pulpit. There's nothing random about God. God did it just to say, well, I need to whisk this number down. What can I do to make it? That is very intentional. And he said, Gideon, go down. Whoever's afraid, send some packing. I can't use them. I don't want them. How about the parable of the talents? Remember that one that the Lord tells us? It's in Matthew chapter 25. We'll start in verse 14. Now, as I read this, think in the context of money, if you will. Talent is a weight of money. Okay, it's a certain amount of money. I don't know exactly how much, but that's not important. But when I say talent, think, think of me. Matthew chapter 25, verse 14, Jesus says, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country. Stop, stop, stop there just for a moment. Remember, every time Christ teaches a parable, he's trying to say, Heaven is somewhat similar to this. The, the, my kingdom is somewhat similar to this. Okay, so think in those contexts. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into our country, who called his own servants and delivered unto them his, his goods. And unto one he gave, gave five talents, 
and to another two, and to another one. And every man according to his several ability, and straight took his journey. And he that had received Eve the five talents went and traded with the same, and made them other five talents. But he that received two, he also gained other two. But he that received the one went and digged in the earth, and hid his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of the servants come and reckoned with them. Verse 20 says, And so he that had received five talents came and brought five more talents, saying, Lord, that thou delivered unto me five talents, behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant, thou hast been faithful over a few things, I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. He also, verse 22, he also that received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. And he said unto them, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I'll make thee ruler over many things. Enter, enter thou to the joy of the Lord. Verse 24, Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee, that thou art in hard man, reaping where thou hast not and gathering wearing where that's not straw. And I, and I was made. Went and I hid thy talent in the earth, and lo, here thou hast that is. Do you, you see here that the one that received five talents, and, and again, kind of think of these talents money. That this the, the good master, the Lord is saying, here, servant, here's this five talents. Here's this money, this sack of money. Okay, I, I want you to do something with it. I'm going to go away, and when I come back, see what you've, you've done. So he gives the first guy five talents. And when I, when I think of that first guy, I think of him, he, he gets this bag of money. He kind of says like, all right, I got myself some ideas. I, I got an idea. And, and this man, he pushes forward. This man concocts a plan. This, this man thinks to himself, I, I'm going to try, try something. It turns out that it could fail. But I've had this idea, the business idea, this business model, or whatever it is, he thinks, I'm going to try it. Got this investment capital here that good master has given me. Man, I got this opportunity he's presented me. You know, I'm going to endeavor to try something. I know there's risks involved, but I'm going to take some calculated risks. I'm going to implement my plan. I'm going to sit down and think and plan something, and then I'm going to execute it and see what happens. The Lord trusted me with this. What to do with it? How can I make cause it to grow? He expects growth. How can I give him the growth that he expects? The, the guy that received two talents, he does the same thing, just with a little bit less money. He, he says, okay, here I am. I, I have these two talents, but you know what? what? I think I'm going to try this. I, I'm going to at least try it. Man, I could I could. could I can be embarrassed. I, I can lose the money that he gave me. He end up with a big old zero. I know that could, could happen, but man, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try, try something. I, I've always wanted to try a shoe business. I've always wanted, wanted to try a cloak business or bricks or whatever was in that day and age. I want to want to sell animals. Maybe I can buy a few and trade and make some money. I'm gonna try. try. I could, could fail. I could fall flat on my face, but I'm gonna try it anyway. That's what these first two men say with the different amounts of money that they were given. At, le at least they're like Pastor Joe says, at least stepping up to the place and swinging in the ball bat. 
But he that received one talent was afraid. He was scared. I, I just wonder if maybe he had an idea too. He wasn't given as much. Maybe he wasn't as, as skilled at business or at, at trading. Maybe he wasn't skilled as the, the, the other, other guy were. But I, I just wonder, maybe he had a plan. Well, I didn't get as much, much as them, but man, I've always wanted to have this. I bet you I could, I could, could earn doing this. I, I, wonder, I wonder if he had a, a plan. He was just too afraid to execute. Too scared. Didn't have the fortitude. Didn't have what, what, what deep down inside his guts. He didn't have what it took. He was too scared to implement his, his plan. You, you know what he said? He, he, he got his, his... I'll preserve it. I'll just preserve. He went into protection mode. Okay, the Lord gave me this. I'll, I'll just protect it. I'll, I'll just keep I'll preserve I'll go protection mode. He, he'll... He'll understand that we were in a tumultuous political climate when he gave me that bag of money. He'll understand that. He'll understand that there were risks involved. You know, I, I, I could have been embarrassed. What if it wouldn't have worked? What if this would have happened? What if that would have happened? It would have been embarrassing. Look, look at the other guys. They're doing good. Look at the other guys. They were giving more than I was. He'll understand Something, something, something could have happened. He wouldn't understand that. When he needed that bag of money, there was a pandemic going on. He'll, he'll understand that. Surely, I'll just protect it. I'll bury it. I'll hide it. And when he comes back, I'll at least give him that much back. Let's continue reading. Verse 26 says, His Lord answered him and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant. Thou knew that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou therefore would have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with interest. Therefore take the talent from him, and give unto him which has ten talents. For everyone that it hath given, or that hath, shall be given, and he that has abundance, that he shall have abundance. For from him that hath not shall be, be taken away, even that which he has, and cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, where there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, you can search the scriptures. It doesn't say good things about being afraid. It does not say good things about being fearful. God does not view fear as a positive thing. He does not. If you're living afraid and you're scared, you're wasting time. He said to this servant, you're wasting my time. You should have at least given a bank. Let me generate some interest at least. You wasted all that time. You wasted. Fear made the decisions for him, didn't it? Fear made the call. Fear made the judgment call. He might have had something he wanted to do, but fear overcame, and it made the call. If you're afraid, you're, you're squandering what he loaned you. Almost the whole of life is, is stewardship. If you're a Christian, maybe God's given you a whole bunch. Maybe you got lots of money. Maybe you've had very little. It's all stewardship. It's all management. Managing what God has given you. Managing the business He's given you. Managing the job. Managing the time. Managing the relationships. It's all management. And if you're afraid, I just don't think that God's happy with people that are afraid. 
Proverbs 29, verse 25 says this, The fear of man brings a snare. Whoso puts his trust in the Lord shall be seized. If, if you're afraid of what's being propagated to us, you're afraid of the things the news are pushing on us, and they have some very good tactics, do they not? Very good tactics. The, the fear-mongering, all this stuff, it's a snare. You'll be walking along, pushing forward your life, and a snare's got you. When a snare got you, you can't move forward anymore. You're stuck in place. But whoso puts his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Brothers and sisters, fear does not come from God. We should know that. It's almost a cliche for me to read 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. It's almost a cliche. I knew I was going to read that at some point. But you know, when I read that, you know what I notice? Notice how that scripture refers to fear as a spirit. You know, you know, if it refers to fear as a spirit, then my, here's my question. After reading that scripture, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power of love and of sound mind. My question is, if God didn't give us that spirit, where did it come from? Where did it come from? It didn't come from God. The Bible says it right here. Where did it come from? Romans chapter 8 says a similar thing. Romans chapter 8 verse 15 says, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage against to fear, but have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Here again, strangely, we see the Bible referring to fear a spirit. Matter of fact, this time it elaborates a little bit more on the spirit of bondage. It refers to spirit as a bondage. Bondage is captivity. Bondage is enslavement. The Bible is saying, Paul was saying to us, if you're afraid, you're in bondage. You're trapped. You're stuck. And he's saying, God didn't give that to you. It didn't come from God. Back to our story from Matthew chapter 8. I forgot to read that last verse, but I was going to come back to it anyway. When the, the disciples are running around, wild guys, panicking and saying, we're all going to perish. Jesus actually, he, he wakes up and, and he says unto them, why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. He wakes up, they're just wigging out. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna die. And Jesus just probably gets up, stretches, yawns a little bit, and he goes, Why are you fearful, oh, you little faith? Jesus didn't say, Well, let me know how bad the storm is first. He, his, his instinct, Why are you fearful? You know, when he, when he says, Why are you fearful? Fearful is the Greek word delios. It means fear or timidity. Being timid or, or dread is what it means in the Greek. It's the same word, listen to me now, when Jesus wakes up and says, why are you fearful? It's the same word that we find in Revelation 
chapter 21, verse 8. We were this recently next door. It says, But the fearful and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and whoremongers, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Do you see what I'm, the picture I'm trying to paint, paint this morning? It, I don't think that God likes life here. I don't think it comes from him. And I think he's trying to tell us through the inspired word of God. He doesn't like it when his people are with fear. He doesn't like it. He can't use you. It inhibits what he's trying to do through you. What he wants to do with you. What he has given you. The investment he has given you. The skills, the talents, the abilities, the talents, the money. It's the stewardship. It's all blocked if you're crippled in bondage to fear. Now, now you can do what you want with this. And you can say, well, you're, you're being awfully harsh. But I'm only saying, and notice that the Bible here lumps fearfulness and people that are afraid in with unbelievers, abominable things, murderers, whoremongers, sorcerers, idolaters, and liars. Fearfulness is lumped in with that. That is kind of harsh, isn't it? I mean, if, if, I, if I preach to the on sorcery or something like that, I think most of us would say, well, praise the Lord, I'm not a sorcerer practicing black magic. But, but fearfulness, that's something that we're pretty susceptible to. Now, I'll, I'll start bringing this to a close, but I'm not saying that the message this morning is not you need to be Rambo. Much as I would like to be Rambo and be able to be tough and all this, the Lord didn't give me the Rambo body. He just didn't. I wish. We went to the boxing night match last night with a couple dudes, and they just were these humongous, tough dudes. Man, I'd love to be like that, but it ain't in the cards for me. Just not. I'm not saying we got out to be Rambo. This is not to suggest that we all walk around like we're tough and we're big and we're bad. He ain't worried about nothing. That's not the message I'm putting out today. The message is warned what it can do and so that we will begin to trust in the good shepherd. We can trust in him. That's where our confidence is. It has nothing to do with how tough we are or how strong we are. It's in how tough he is and how strong he is. It's in his abilities. He's not our abilities. we got to start trusting in that. Now, I know that we're humans, and sometimes fear jumps up on us suddenly. There are so many things I've said this a couple times today that can rock you back on your heels and kind of grasp. If they come to me tomorrow, they say, hey, the, the results are in. Man, you got cancer. You got six months for you to live. You can be sure I'm going to be rocked back on my heels, gripped with fear. But at some point, you have to, have to decide to, to say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, wait a minute. I don't want to live like this. I don't want to live like this. What, what, what does this book say? You know what this book says? says? Listen, listen to what it says in Isaiah. This, this is what it says. It's the band and to make their way back. Listen, this, this is what this book says. 
This is the Lord speaking through the prophet Isaiah. Chapter 51, verse 12. He says, I, this is God, God, even I am he that comforts you. Who art thou that thou should be afraid of a man that shall die? And the son of man which shall be made of grass. And you forget the Lord thy maker that has stretched forth the heavens and laid foundation of the earth. And thou hast feared continually every day because of the fury of the oppressor as if he were ready to destroy. Where is the fury of the oppressor, God says? See, there, there is oppression over us. There is oppression over the, the New Testament church right now. We're seeing it in unprecedented ways. And God said, why are you afraid of man? They're going to die just like you are. You're all going to end up before me. Why are you afraid of them? You're forgetting all about me, man. I stretch forth the heavens. What's wrong with you? Think in that way. You're afraid every day because of the fury of the oppressor. as if he ready to destroy do you know nothing happens that God doesn't permit to happen? Bible tells us we should fear Him, not man. He has the power to kill and then send us to death. We ain't supposed to be afraid of man, nor what they can do. I know it's not an easy thing, but that's what the Bible says. Listen, the more fearful you are, the more you forget God. The more afraid you operate your life, the more you say, uh, and you, you don't know what's in the book. As the people of God, at some point, individually and even collectively at a church, we have to collect ourselves and realize we serve a God that is able to deliver us from anything man can do. Do you know what I believe about the church? And this has really been speaking to me the last, last couple of years or so, so, this pandemic stuff. You know what God's been speaking to me? This scripture's come, come up in my mind over and over. That the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. The gates of hell, meaning anything that hell creates, will not prevail against Christ's church. All we got to do is make sure we're Christ's church. Preach the word of God, and nothing will stop this. Nothing. No entity will stop this. No power of man can stop what God has instituted. It's his church, not mine, not Pastor Joe. It's Christ's church. It's going to continue, and it will stop when he wants it to stop. That, that does it for me. That's all I need to know. This belongs to you. That helps me sleep at night. When I think of the future of the church, I'm able to sleep and not worry because at the end of the night, it ain't mine. It ain't my ideology. It's not my theology. It's all his. The church is my design. It wasn't Pastor Joe's design. It's his. It's his baby. He has the ability to protect. He has the ability to move forward in the middle of a pandemic or whatever in the world this thing is. We got to collect ourselves. What I want this morning is, where's the shad dad shacks in the Pentagon's? Them was some bad dudes. Them was some heroes to me. Everybody else falling down and worshiping. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Not me. Thank you. No thanks. Where's the Daniels at? You better not be praying to Jehovah. You better not be praying to the Hebrew God. You better be praying to the, the pagan gods. Daniel says, yeah, okay, whatever, man. Lord God, I come to you right now. Right in his window. Where's the Moseses at that 
walked into Pharaoh's house, the most powerful man in the world, and said, the Lord said, let my people go, or he's going to tear you up. I'll close with this. I bought a handkerchief today. Plus, there's a little truth to the greasy Italians. You're just almost like greasy Italians. I get them and feel like beasts come out of them. Close on this note. Psalms chapter 27, verse 1. If you forget fearful or answer, turn to the book of Psalms. David, I, I, whenever I talk with anyone that's going through depression, I steer in the book of Psalms. I feel like David battled through depression. He, he wears on his sleeve. He ain't afraid to say it. That's what I like about people that aren't afraid to say things. Man, don't come to me telling you everything's all right. I'm good. Nothing wrong with me. That's why I read Psalms. David, everything's wrong with him. But, but he turns to the Lord. Psalms chapter 27 one says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, come to me to my, my flesh, and they stumbled and they fell, though an host should encamp up against me, my heart shall, shall fear, though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the, of the Lord, that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, and to behold the beauty of the Lord, to inquire in his temple. Verse, verse 4 says, For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion, in secret his tabernacle shall he hide me, he shall set me on a rock. Amen to that. Amen. Amen. When the world's foundation, which is made of sand, is crumpling and they're all going like this and they're all going down, we'll be standing there because we are set upon a rock. I believe that. Let's stand this morning. You know that the Bible said that we are more than conquerors. Not only are you a conqueror if you're in Christ, you are more than that, it says. You know, the Bible says in 1 John, the greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. There's some pretty tough bullies out in this world. There's pretty big entities that come against us in this world. But the Bible says, well, yeah, there are some big ones there. But, but the one that's in you, if you're a born again man or one of God, of God that is better than all those entities. I believe that this morning, church. I believe that. Let's pray. We'll open these altars and worship. You are bound with fear or anxiousness or nervousness. Come to this altar. Don't yank it out of my system. I don't don't deal with it anymore. Father God, we thank you for this morning. Lord, we love, we love, we, we love your word. And Lord, I see in so many more places. Lord, I could have took this sermon so many different directions because you talk about fear a lot in your word. You don't want your people to be filled with fear. And Lord, I am commanded of you to be compassionate. Lord, I, I know some of these sermons can come, come across as clubbing someone on the head if they are filled with fear. But that's not the intention to club, club someone over the head. It's, it's as a warning and a reminder that you must come up out of that. And it is a conscious decision, Lord, that we must come up out of that. Lord, I pray this morning you encourage your people, Lord. Encourage your people, Lord, and we worship one last time to come out of fear, to, to decide, come up out of fear, because you, you have made us more, more than conqueror. Lord, Lord, increase. Lord, or you, are, you are in me and you're greater than all these world entities. Lord, help, Lord, help to go to sleep every night knowing that the, the gates of hell will 
not prevail against us, against your people, against the church. Lord, you'll call us home when you're good and ready to call us home. And that's the way it's going to be, Lord. In Jesus' name, let's worship. These altars are open, church. Get feet.